You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome to The Strong Room. I'm Peter Watts. A recent edition of this program addressed the importance of investments in a good estate or life plan. We've talked a lot on this show about financial abuse of seniors. It's a problem that trust and estate practitioners at Macmillan have run into from time to time. It's now the subject of a research paper co-published by Fair Canada and the Canadian Centre for Elder Law. Marion Passmore, a co-author of the report, joins us for a conversation. We set out to uh, focus on the areas of elder financial abuse and undue influence and diminished capacity and uh, what the investment industry can do to help in this area. Uh, because right now, um, they they may be encountering these situations, but not able to um, address it in, given uh, various barriers. And what did you find in your uh, in your study? We found that um, that the investment industry wants um, to have uh, protocols put into place and and wants. Um, to have uh, education and training so that they um, set out to them so that they know uh, what to do when these situations arise and they want to be able to take steps without um, breaching privacy laws or, or regulatory requirements so they can take the steps needed to try and address the issues. Have you talked to financial regulators as part of the study and is there a gap between what they feel they need and what currently exists? Um, we also um, did have a consult with regulators, um, the MFGA, IROC, uh, securities regulators, and there's a broad consensus amongst uh, regulators, uh, industry, and so on that the, uh, the, the this area needs to be addressed. And um, and I hope that this report begins a process where concrete steps can be taken that will improve outcomes for those who are in vulnerable positions today or may be vulnerable tomorrow. You've made six recommendations to securities regulators across the country, um, uh, and, and a lot of it seems to be. Well, you tell me what 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 you what you have suggested uh, yeah. and what you're recommending. Well, we, we, our report makes six main recommendations. Uh, one is that um, securities regulators should implement a rule so that firms make reasonable efforts to add a trusted contact person to the client file so that in those situations where there, there, there may not be a power of attorney um, that can be reached out to, but they could reach out to this trusted contact, pers- uh, trusted contact person uh, should they think um, that some, you know, there may be undue influence or some sort of uh, financial exploitation either happening or potentially going to happen in the future. So that's a big one. That mm-hmm. it, it it won't it won't necessarily stop all of the abuse because um, what I'm told is that some of the bu- abuse can often come from a trusted caregiver or a member of the family. But, exactly. This is this is what complicates the issues because you know um, the uh, financial advisor or firm has to make an assessment as to whether reaching out to the trusted contact person 
um, will will help or will not. And obviously, if they suspect that person is involved in it, they wouldn't reach out to them. I'd be interested to know from the point of view of an investment firm how it feels about having to act as a kind of guardian over and above whatever it is professionally required to do by its regulators. How much time do those people have to, in effect, babysit every single client uh, in this way? Well, I think the trusted contact person will help because this is someone that the client themselves has identified as being someone they trust to have this reach out to. And so you have that. Um, We would like, you know, we recommend that it be reviewed um, on an ongoing basis so that the person still wants that individual as their trusted contact person. And um, and I think you know, just the reality is is that um, people are having to um, take steps and make these assessments now. and maybe they're not acting for fear of liability, but we also heard loud and clear that they feel they're damned if they do take steps and damned if they don't, given um, you know the, the lack of any protections uh, if they do take steps this, because of the privacy laws and, and the way the regulatory framework works. This is always an easy issue to point the finger at somebody else and say, you should be doing something. Uh, when, uh, when you're pointing one finger at somebody else, you have three fingers pointed back at yourself and that means that um, uh, the onus is on both the client and and on the person that the client trusts to do the right thing on behalf of the client uh yes uh, the person obviously has to be uh, careful as to who they make their trusted contact person but this person wouldn't have legal authority to step into the shoes of the client this is someone you reach out to um, if you have concerns, and and that was one of the discussions that was quite animated, was how broad should that reach out be? Should it be just like you know when your um, go your kids go on a field trip, and um, and you need to put an emergency contact person? Should it be that narrow? Just if somebody's you know uh, not answering calls and so on, that you could reach out to them and find out what's going on, or should it be broader? Um, and and be able to ask about the health status of the individual and and sort of reveal um, necessary facts in, in order to get information. We have a, um, a broad base of baby boomers who are in the process of retiring. This problem is not going to go away, and it's not going to get any smaller for a while. Uh, That's do you, absolutely right. Do you have a sense that there is um, a, a sufficient amount of momentum that is going to move this file forward? I absolutely do. I think that, um, you know, uh, a number of jurisdictions in Canada have have, um, been working on uh, senior strategies. Uh, Quebec has has issued an act um, regarding maltreatment of individuals. Uh, The Ontario government has recently announced the senior strategy. New Brunswick's commission has um, done a number of consultations on this. and uh, sits on uh, the uh, North American Securities Administrators Association's uh, uh, working group that created the Model Act in the United States. They've issued a consultation uh, paper. So a number of jurisdictions are are focusing on this area, uh, given given what's going on in our society. You know the demographic shift that's occurring in our society. 
If nothing else, better training for investment professionals in terms of uh, uh, being aware of the potential for financial elder abuse uh, is a start. And mm-hmm. and requiring that firms um, learn how and when to appropriately refer a case of suspected elder abuse to a regulator would seem to be uh, progress. Yes, I mean, you know, one of the issues is sort of the education and training, and and people people want that training and education, and so, um, you know, we you know, whilst you know when we had our discussions, um, you might think, given the cost of education and training, there would be pushback, but we did not hear that. Um, the recommendation of mandatory training and education is something that I think the uh, industry welcomes because they want to know they want to do the right thing, they want to take the right steps, and and I think that's that's very positive. Marion, thank you. You're welcome. Marion Passmore is a co-author of the report and the director of policy at Fair Canada, a national voice for investors in securities regulation. A recent posting on the Macmillan Estate website talked about probate, what it is, how it works, when it's necessary, and how it can be avoided by good estate planning. You should check it out at www.macmillanestate.com. You may know as well that Macmillan has adopted the Sheldrick Trust in Kenya as one of its own charities. The trust's purpose is to save elephants from poaching. U.S. President Donald Trump has removed a ban on bringing elephant tusks into the United States. Talk show host Ellen DeGeneres is upset about that ruling. Elephants live in a matriarchal society. A female will only leave her herd if she dies or is captured by humans. True story, when I was eight, my mother left me in an eight, uh, J.C. Penney for three hours while she played bingo. <laughs> another time. I was fortunate enough to go to Africa a few years ago. I saw elephants in person. They're breathtaking when you are next to them. This is clearly something I'm passionate about. I am determined to do something about this. I am posting this picture on Instagram. If you're as outraged as I am, please repost it, retweet it with the hashtag BeKindToElephants. And for everyone who does, we'll make a donation to the David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust to help protect elephants. You can support the Sheldrick Trust as well through the Macmillan website. Again, www.macmillanestate.com. More on The Strong Room after this on 770 CHQR.